Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Sundays like this, when the Church of God sets aside some time to remember an event in the history of the church, in the life of those in the church, the the pillars upon which the the church has stood, the the shoulders of the greats upon which we stand, are really joyful and joyous times. Because by taking some time to look at an event like St. Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, really, we point to Christ and who he is and what he has done in the life of the faithful. From time to time, the church will set aside some time to commemorate or remember certain individuals who we know about and who have done great things by God's power for the church. Maybe it's the, one of the disciples. Maybe it's an event in Jesus' life. Last week, we took some time and we observed the baptism of our Lord. There are other times throughout the year that the church sets aside time to reflect on those events of our family history. We are the family, the body of Christ. So from time to time, we we turn the page in the family album and we see another image, another picture, another remembrance of our history, of who we are as the people of God. For we here at St. Paul trace back our history, not just as Missouri Synod Lutherans, not just as Lutherans into the Reformation, but even earlier than that, to the very first church, the early church of the first few centuries after Jesus' ascension. But do you know what? Our history goes back even further to the Old Testament Christians who had faith and confidence that God would send a Messiah, one promise to Adam and Eve, a promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the prophets and to his people. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to the coming Messiah, the Savior. That was the Hebrew word for it, Messiah. And when you take that Hebrew word and you translate it into Greek, as was spoken in the time that Jesus was ministering here on earth, it is Christ. So Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Word has gotten around about Jesus from Nazareth, the carpenter's son. He's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been going around doing miracles, changing water into wine, healing, raising the dead, and casting out demons. Word spreads. And as word spreads, people begin to fill in the blanks about who he might be and what this all might mean. So Jesus asks, who do, you say, who do people say that I am? What a great and timely question, even today in 2015. Who do people say Jesus is. Turn on the radio and listen to a few of the 
the news commentators or the, the talk radio commentators, who do they say Jesus is? Turn on the television. Turn on the, uh, the, the public access channel where the, the televangelist is preaching. Who does he say or who does she say that Jesus is? Open the latest bestseller about spiritual growth or self-help or spirituality. Who do they say Jesus is? Who does Oprah say Jesus is? It's a very timely question. And even sometimes within the church, we miss the focus of who Jesus truly is as the Messiah, as the Christ. And we begin to, to create Jesus in our own image, what we would want him to be, what we would hope he would be, the one who brings us prosperity. You just name that blessing and claim it, and it's yours. God's got it all stored up for you. You're the one holding him back. That's who some say Jesus is, but they're wrong. Some say Jesus is a good moral example. Indeed, he is moral. In fact, he was perfectly moral without sin. Is he our example? Is that why Jesus came? Was he born in a manger and suffered and died and rose again to be our example? Then add to your to-do list, suffer, die, and rise again. Dear friends in Christ, that does not come by our own power. We can't walk on water, let alone raise ourselves from the dead. That's maybe who some say Jesus is, but you know what? They're wrong. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to save his people from their sins. So Jesus, after asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? What do the polls say? What's popular opinion say? Some say you're John the Baptist, which would be quite frightening for Herod and his ilk because they had put him to death. Some say that you are Elijah. It had been promised that Elijah would return just before the coming Messiah. Okay, they're getting their... They're getting things framed a little bit better. They understand that this is a time of salvation, that God is working something great through Jesus. Close, but no cigar. Some say you're one of the prophets. Indeed, he is the perfect prophet. He is a prophet in that he fulfills all prophecy. All that had been said about the Messiah is summed up there in Jesus. One will come and crush the serpent's head. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. One shall sit upon the throne of David forever, and that is fulfilled in Jesus. Okay, that's what everybody else says, who I am. All right, members of St. Paul, friends in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, who do you say... Jesus is. Perhaps we have one as, uh, as bold and courageous and as Peter. Peter, who throughout the Gospels, as we see him speak, tends to speak first and think later, whether it's at the transfiguration or at this moment when he is 
asked the question, who do you say that I am? He boldly and confidently puts himself forward and says, well, whatever's on his mind. And here he says, ah, here he gets the right thing. Jesus, you are the Christ. And in that statement, in, G in Peter declaring Jesus to be the Christ, he sums up in those words the revelation of all the Old Testament, all the scriptures that they would hear and learn and know, and all that would be yet to come. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the one who will save his people from their sins, the one whom God has sent to deliver you. And so you can say, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ, the one who saves. He's not just one who saves somebody out there. Jesus is my Christ, my Savior. Jesus is my Messiah because he calls you by his name. We have another account of St. Peter making this good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, it adds. And Jesus responds, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that is the source of every good confession of who Jesus is. When you, with your faith, confess the Nicene Creed, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who did all these things to save me and give me salvation. Flesh and blood have not revealed that to you, but your Father who is in heaven. And these are the heavenly things upon which we can set our minds and set our hearts and set our confidence, the feet of which we can set our guilt and our sin and our shame. We can place that all upon Jesus and say, you are the Christ, save me. Christ, have mercy upon me. But on a day like this, when we acknowledge that St. Peter made the good confession by the power of the Holy Spirit as revealed from God, his heavenly Father, we also see that Peter was real. He's not a fairy tale. He's not made up. He's not a cartoon character. Peter was as real as you and as me and even as you and I, in one breath, will make the good confession that Jesus is the Christ, in the next, and in our life, and what we say and do, what we do and leave undone, we sin, we fall, and we fail. For rather than setting Peter up on an indelible uh, pedestal that can never be rocked or moved, we also know the full life of St. Peter. We know that Peter, well, moments later, Jesus begins to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And you know what? Peter didn't like that so much. He confessed that Jesus is the Christ, but in Peter's mind, that meant power and glory and no suffering, no trials, nothing difficult. And so Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus, what is this about suffering and dying? I've got better plans for you. Stick with me, Jesus. You're going to go places. Well, Peter, Jesus doesn't need an agent. 
He is the agent of grace. So Jesus turns and sees his disciples. He sees that others are watching, that this one who had made the good confession doesn't connect the Christness of Jesus with the sufferingness of the Son of Man that redeems us. So Jesus turning, seeing his disciples, he sees that he must make the good confession now. Jesus must focus things on the things of God, not the things of man. And so Jesus rebukes Peter. He who had just declared the good confession is now called Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Such is the struggle of the Christian life. Such is the struggle that perhaps you endure as well. That in one moment, you feel so secure and solid in your confession of faith, and in the next minute, you're reading scripture, you're seeing things happen in your life, you're seeing God reveal to you, repent. You've got it wrong. You're thinking about human things, earthly things, your things, instead of my things. You hear uh, yourself getting rebuked by God's word. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Because the things of God means that Jesus suffers and dies in your place. The things of God are that you are forgiven and set free. And that life of sin is cast behind you. Yes, dear friends in Christ. To call Jesus the Christ is to call him the suffering and dying one. To call Jesus the Christ is to call him the suffering, dying, and rising again one. To call Jesus the Christ is to say, he is the one who saves me from my sin. So my confession is that I am by nature sinful, and Jesus is by nature the Christ who sets me free. So friends, in Christ, Jesus is your Savior. He is the one who calls us to take up our cross and follow him. Because you know what you will find when you take up your cross? It has already been died upon. Satan has already been put behind your back. Satan's head has already been trampled by the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus, who is the Christ, has already taken up your cross carried it to Calvary, died upon it, and been buried in your grave. And on the third day, risen from the dead, because he is the Christ, the one who saves, the one who, though you lose your life, saves your life. Yes, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who sets you free from your sins. So we, along with St. Peter, a real man, failings and redemption. We live our lives with our failings and our redemptions that come through Christ. Peter, who had three times denied knowing Jesus based on the situation. Perhaps you have. But Peter also, being repentant, weeping bitterly, and coming back to his Lord, is restored. And Jesus says, feed my sheep tend my lambs and care for my sheep. Because Jesus never gives up on Peter. Jesus never gives up on you. We're not all that different from St. Peter. We may put him up on a pedestal. We may put saint in front of his name. But you know what? He was real. He sinned. He failed. 
But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he made the good confession. That's us. We sin, we fail, we make the good confession. We're redeemed. And so you know what we can put in front of each and every one of our names? Saint. Saints because of what Christ has done. Saints because of what the Messiah has done. Saints because Jesus has died and risen again. So in that family album, as we turn from event to event, and we, we tell those stories of crazy Uncle Peter and how he always spoke first and all those crazy things that he did, we're in that family album too. Turn those pages, you will see your name. There in the book of life. He is your Christ. You are his people. He saves you in his name. Amen. The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.